This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles and turn to Psalm 22, if you would. If you haven't already, uh, visit huikala.church. You can actually download the notes for tonight's message uh, and maybe fill those out on your device or uh, get a chance to print those off to take some notes as we go through this passage of Scripture. We're going to be taking a look at a lot of different Scriptures uh, this evening, and uh, those are included in the notes uh, for tonight. Psalm 22 is where we're going to be at tonight. On Sunday mornings, we've been going through our online-only series entitled Hope from the Psalms, and uh, tonight we find ourselves in the book of Psalm 22. Uh, Some might think, well, how does Psalms help us with Easter weekend? Uh, We'll see this is actually a prophetic psalm, speaking of Jesus Christ, uh, sometimes referred to as the Messianic Psalm, speaking of the Messiah. Psalm 22 is where we find ourselves tonight. Easter Sunday is a massive celebration for us as Christians. We're celebrating a little bit differently this year due to the uh, current situation, uh, but celebration nonetheless. Uh, But it's important before we celebrate that we first contemplate. And so that's what we're going to do tonight, contemplate and then celebrate. Psalm 22 is where we find ourselves, starting in verse number one. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm. I'm no man. Reproach of men, despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb, that has makes me hope when I was upon my mother's breasts. I was cast upon thee from thy womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have set before me. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments um, among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him, and all ye seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye the seed of Israel, for he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. When he cried unto him, he heard, my praise shall be of thee. 
in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world, remember and turn unto the Lord. All the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him, and none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. As we look at this prophetic psalm, I can imagine David writing this psalm, not really understanding what he's writing or why he's writing it. Maybe he was going through a difficult period of time in his life where he felt forsaken by God. But the Holy Spirit guided David's every word. The Bible tells us that uh, that the scriptures are given to us by the Holy Spirit himself, uh, that God told these men what to write and they wrote it. And while uh, David might have uh, recognized that he was just pouring out his heart, uh, the Holy Spirit moved him to guide him to pen these words as we find Jesus Christ on the cross he says my God my God why hast thou forsaken me verse number one that we see in Psalm 22 we're not going to spend a long time here tonight but it is important that we spend some time taking a look at the cross and remembering we as a church will gather together uh, three times a year and and receive the Lord's Supper for those who are Christians it's a time for us to remember what Christ has done for us on the cross Good Friday is a great opportunity for us before we go into the massive celebration that is Resurrection Sunday to remember what Jesus has done as you look at this passage of scripture along with other complementing passages of scripture it's important that we first of all remember the desolation remember the desolation we see verse number one my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, we see Jesus cry out these exact same words in Mark chapter 15, verse number 34. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? As Jesus cried out there, hanging upon that cross, in a God-forsaken situation. You and I have felt times in our lives where we felt like God had forgotten us. God had no longer hearing our cries. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I have felt God forsaken. But the truth of the matter is you and I have never been forsaken by God. He has promised to be with us and to walk with us through every trial that we have in life. There are times when heaven is silent, no doubt, or we pray and we don't get the answer right away that we want, or we pray and we don't see God at work anywhere, but we know based on the promises of God's word that he is always there. His ear is open unto the cry of the righteous, the Bible tells us, and he is with you. But Jesus in this case was truly forsaken by God. You see, Jesus had taken upon himself my sin and yours, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And as Jesus hung there on that cross, he embodied the sinful state of man. He took upon himself our sins. He bore on that cross, Anthony King's, every single sin that I would ever commit in my entire lifetime. And he did it not only for me, but he did it for you. 
And that put him in a unique situation. For the first time in all of eternity, the father was separated from the son, and the great gulf that separated them was sin. You see, sin always separates us from God. Sin always keeps us from being able to enter into God's presence. Uh, The Bible says if we regard iniquity in our heart that the Lord will not hear us, that even those of us that are Christians, that if there's sin in our life that we are not willing to make right, separates us from God. And in this case here, Jesus Christ took upon himself the sin of mankind and God turned his face away from his only son. Habakkuk chapter one, verse number 13 says, thou art purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore thou lookest upon them that dealest treacherously and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he. In this case here, Habakkuk says, uh, your eyes are too pure that you cannot even look upon sin, God. You see, God is holy, which means separated from sin. In that moment when Jesus became sin, the Father turned from his Son. The entire earth went dark for hours while God had forsaken his Son to die. One author said it this way, the depths of the saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me are too deep to be plumbed but the least inadequate interpretations are those which find it in a sense of desolation in which Jesus felt the horror of sin so deeply that for a time the closeness of his communion with the Father was obscured. You see, Jesus felt the depths of our sin so deeply that he recognized the absence of his Father, that the presence of God was completely and totally obscured by sin and it wasn't Jesus' sin. The Bible says he knew no sin. It was my sin. It was your sin. And the cross represents God's justice against sin. Barrett Browning wrote a poem entitled Cowper's Grave. It says, a portion of that says, Deserted, God could separate from his own essence rather and Adam's sin have swept between the righteous son and father. Yea, once Emmanuel's orphan cry, his universe hath shaken. It went up single, echoless. My God, I am forsaken. You see, Jesus completely left in desolation, alone by himself to suffer, to bleed, to die for one reason and one reason only, our sin. You see, as Jesus hung there in physical pain, no doubts, the physical pain of the crucifixion was great, but the spiritual pain was much greater. You see, Jesus Christ endured untold physical pain, but Jesus wasn't the only one to die that day of a crucifixion. Many Christians throughout Roman history were crucified the same way that our Lord was. What made Jesus so unique? The physical pain of the crucifixion, no doubt, very, very difficult. But more than that, Jesus did not just endure physical pain. Jesus endured the wrath of God. And friend, that's worse than any physical pain that you or I could ever possibly know. It's a soul, spirit level where God poured out his wrath upon his son on the cross as the punishment for sin. Friend, if you die in your sin, 
If you do not accept Jesus Christ as Savior, the Bible says that you will be sent to hell for all of eternity to endure God's wrath. That's the payment for your sin. Either Jesus can pay on the cross for you or you're more than welcome to pay yourself. But I'm telling you this, worse than any physical pain that you will ever endure on this earth comes the spiritual wrath of God poured out on sinners for all of eternity in a place called hell. But Jesus says, I'm willing to take that wrath. I'm willing to take that punishment. I'm willing to go to die at the hands of sinful men for the payment of the sins of mankind. So as we remember the desolation, we must also remember the humiliation. We take a look at verse number seven. It says, they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake their head saying he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him seeing he delighteth in him. Mark chapter 15 verse number 29 tells us and they that passed by railed on him wagging their heads saying ah thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priest mocking said among themselves with the scribes he saved others he himself he cannot save let Christ the king of Israel now descend from the cross that we may see and believe and they that were crucified with him reviled him you see the crucifixion wasn't just a painful way to die it was a humiliating way to die Oftentimes we see paintings or depictions of Christ on a high cross up on a hill where people can see from afar off. But generally history tells us that people would have been crucified at eye level so that people could come by and spit upon them and mock them and make fun of them. Oftentimes the crucifixions would take place in a very public place like a market where people could uh, go by and see and shout things at these people who were deserving of death. Jesus' crucifixion should have been no differently. People walked by, had things to say. Oh, you saved others, save yourself. Oh, you said you're going to destroy the temple and raise it again in three days. How about you just save yourself? Hey, you claim to be God. Let's see it. We see that even the chief priests who mocked him these were the people that should have been welcoming his arrival. These are the people, the religious leaders of the day who could have, should have said, Messiah has come, praise God for his deliverance. But they didn't. You know what they did? They mocked as well. Oh, come on, King of Israel. Get off the cross and then we'll believe. Humiliation. Embarrassment. Oftentimes we also see depictions of Jesus Christ crucified on a cross, usually wearing some sort of loincloth or covering. The Romans would have been not so discreet. Generally people were crucified completely and totally naked. Left there to hung to hang in the elements. There would have been no discretion for Jesus Christ or any other person deserving crucifixion. Oftentimes we would see these people uh, in history writhing in pain while upon the cross, unable to hold their own bladder, unable, unable to hold their own bowels in such excruciating pain that they would vomit upon themselves and hung there on a cross, likely covered in urine, feces, vomit, definitely blood humiliating way to die 
And not only was he crucified in front of the people that he came to save, not only was he crucified in the, amongst the people who he called his own, his own mother stood by and watched, no doubt in shock and horror at the humiliating way that her son would die. Christ, King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Mockery, humiliation, You and I need to remember that because it wasn't just that Jesus came and died in our place. He died a death of desolation. He died a death of humiliation, and we need to remember that. We also see in this passage of Scripture that we should remember the desecration. Take a look, if you would, at verse number 12 in Psalm 22. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as ravening and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. For thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. They part my garments amongst them and cast lots upon my vesture. Here we see that crucifixion was not one of the most humiliating ways to die, but one of the most painful ways to die. Our word that we have in the English language for pain, uh, when we use the term excruciating, that word literally means from the cross. That's where we get that word that there's no greater pain than one can imagine than the death of crucifixion. Verse number uh, 16 says, they pierced my hands and my feet. Sometimes we'll see a depiction of Christ crucified where the, the nails were put through the palms of the hands. Sometimes that would be the case, but what Romans found is that generally the flesh would tear and the person would not be able to hang appropriately. So often they would take a nail and run it through the bones in the wrist to make sure that they were affixed well. Sometimes the crucifixion would take place that they would place one foot over the other, would drive a spike through the the middle of the two feet to hang there in a painful way. But they often found too that maybe that wasn't painful enough. So sometimes uh, to make the humiliation worse, they would actually take their feet and put them on the outside of the cross and put one spike in each side of the feet so that the legs would be spread open and the pain would be greater. Humiliating, painful way to die. The Bible says before he ever even made it to the cross, he was beaten. He was mocked. They would smack him and say, oh, you call yourself a prophet. Who was the one that hit you? They spat upon them. They tore out his beard. The plucking out of the beard wasn't just painful. It was another act of humiliation and desecration. It was another way to show the weakness of this person. In biblical times, beards were a symbol of manhood. I'd like to think that they still are to some degree. But oftentimes, the the beard would be... um, desecrated in some way, in a way to reduce the man's manhood. If you remember the story uh, in the Old Testament of David's men who went out to battle, uh, they were captured and they shaved half of their beards off and sent them back home. And David said, you need to stay in hiding until your beard grows back because that's embarrassing. 
So to pluck out Jesus' beard wasn't only painful, it was an act of desecration. Oh, you call yourself a king, we've made you a crown, a crown of thorns, which they placed upon his head. These thorns would have been jammed down over his forehead where all of the veins and capillaries amongst the forehead would have been bust open and blood would have gotten into his eyes, no doubt. Without a, someone to wipe off the blood, the blood would cake and would coagulate in his eyes sockets to make seeing very difficult. Why did he endure this? Because of his love for us. He was forced to carry his own cross to the place where he would be crucified. As he carried this cross to Calvary, what's sometimes referred to as the Via Della Rosa, as he took the road to Calvary carrying his cross, he fell under the weight of his cross and was physically unable to bear it. Now, mind you, Jesus was fully God in that moment, and if any moment he had called for angels to carry his cross for him, they would have been there in a split second, but Jesus was physically a man, and he did not have the strength necessary as a man to carry his own cross. So someone was required to carry it for him. As they got him to the place of his crucifixion, he was stripped completely naked, and they would have cast lots for his clothing. Isaiah chapter 52, verse number 14 says, As many were, were astonished at the... His visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. In other words, he was beaten so badly that one couldn't even recognize who he was or that he was even a man. Isaiah chapter 53, verse number four says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And as he hung upon the cross in humiliation, as he hung upon that cross in desecration, he did it for one reason and one reason only, to save me and to save you from our sins. And friend, if you're listening to this tonight and you say, I don't need the cross of Jesus to pay for my, my sins. I'll take care of it on my own. I'll figure this thing out on my own. I don't need Jesus. Just know this. You're adding to the desecration of the cross of Jesus by saying, it holds no power for me. And you're no different than the ones who put him to death, mocked him, and scorned him. No different whatsoever. And when you stand before God one day, the blood of your own sins will be on your hands. And God will say, I gave you an opportunity. I brought a payment, but you rejected it. Don't reject it any longer. Put your faith in Jesus Christ tonight as your Savior. Look at the cross tonight and say, my payment of my sins is paid in full. Jesus has done the work. I put my faith in him. Again, we sometimes look at artists' depictions of the crucifixion and we see Christ hanging there, lily white, loincloth around him, a little bit of blood coming down off his forehead. Friends, that couldn't be further from the case. Of course, we couldn't look at any painting like that and, and get any joy from it. We couldn't even accept an artist's rendering of it. It would be too vicious to look at, too violent, too grotesque but it was a death of desolation. It was a death of humiliation. It was a death of desecration. And when Jesus 
had made the payment for our sins. He hung there on that cross and he uttered three beautiful, glorious words. It is finished. It's finished. The payment for sin has been accomplished. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but the sins of the whole world. The word propitiation means not only a satisfactory payment, but it means a covering for our sins. And when Jesus shed his blood upon that cross, his blood was a covering for our sins. As he hung there and bled and died and said, it is finished, he made a full payment for our sins. The Bible says in Romans chapter six, verse number 23, the wages of sin is death. And Jesus says, I die for the sins of mankind. And he said, it is finished. The payment was made in full. So while we remember the desolation, while we remember the humiliation, while we remember the desecration, Praise God for the salvation. If you take a look in Psalm 22 again, verse 26. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he is the governor among the nations and all they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. And they that go down to the dust shall bow before him and none soul can keep him own soul alive. The seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness to a people that shall be born that he hath done this. I'm thankful that because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that the payment for sin has been made and salvation is freely available to all who will believe. You might say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. Friend, you don't know how powerful that cross is. Well, Pastor, you don't understand the depths of my sin. You don't understand the depths of God's love. Pastor, I've done so much that I could never be forgiven. Friend, you don't understand the forgiveness of God. And if tonight you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know for sure that my sins are forgiven. Salvation is available to you. And the best decision that you'll ever make in your entire life is to put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on that cross and believe his words that it is finished. Your sin has been paid for. Isaiah chapter 53, verse number five, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes, we are healed. Our sin was put upon him and he was crucified for it. Our sin was put upon him and he was beaten for it. Because of the stripes that he took, and the beatings that he endured, you and I can be completely and totally healed from our sinful condition. Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. So imagine the desolation, humiliation, and desecration. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse number 10, that pleased the Lord. Why did that please the Lord? 
And thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Oh, you see, this offering for sin that the Messiah would make, it wouldn't be the end. It was only the beginning. You see, we don't finish with Good Friday. We finish with the celebration of the resurrection this coming Sunday at 10 a.m. I hope you'll join us for that because it's going to be amazing. But he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. God looks at the crucifixion of Christ and says, that's enough. And by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Isaiah 53, 11 says that the righteous servant, speaking of Jesus Christ, will justify many. You know what that word justify means? It means to be declared righteous. All of your sin that you've ever committed in your entire life and all the sin that you'll ever commit for the rest of your life can be washed away by the blood of Jesus on this Good Friday if you'd be willing to put your faith in Jesus. And so we see that we can be declared righteous in the sight of God. Why? Because Jesus bore my sins on the cross of Calvary. Thankful for what? Hebrews 9, 28 says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look on him, he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Jesus bared not only my sin, but yours. He took upon himself the sins of mankind so that all that believed on him could be saved. Thankful for Psalm 103, verse number 10. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as heaven is as high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. The Bible says that if you would put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, he'll take all of your sin and he'll separate it as far as the east is from the west. And the Bible says he remembers it no more. You know why? Because he hasn't dealt with us according to our sins. He's dealt with us according to the grace of Jesus Christ and the finished work of Christ on the cross. Why is today Good Friday? As a child, I always thought it was strange that we would call Good Friday the day that Jesus was beaten, mocked, scorned, publicly executed. I always thought that that was a strange thing to call good. But you see, today is Good Friday because Jesus took my sin and he put it to death once and for all. I'm reminded of this song, In Christ Alone. It says, And on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. I'm thankful that you and I don't have to stand before God one day in our own power. I'm thankful that we don't have to stand before God one day in our own merit. I'm thankful that I don't have to stand before God one day for what I have done, but I stand before God because of what Jesus has done. And when I stand before God one day, he'll say, Anthony King, you are righteous, my son. Not because I have been righteous of myself, but because Jesus has given his righteousness to me so that when I stand before God, he'll say, your sin has been paid. Your debt has been forgiven. Welcome home, son. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that, the judgment. 
Bible says that he that believeth on the Son hath life. Eternal life, good for eternity. But the Bible also says he that hath not the Son hath not life. You don't have eternal life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You see, if you don't know for sure that you've been saved, your sin debt is still upon your shoulders. The price must be paid, and the price is death. The price is the wrath of God. The only hope that you have for not going to hell for all of eternity is the work of Jesus on the cross. Friend, if there's never been a time in your life where you've accepted Christ as Savior, I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm not talking about having religious experience. I'm not talking about taking communion or being baptized. I'm talking about a time in your life where you recognize you could not make it to heaven on your own. You recognize your sinful condition and you were overwhelmed by the fact that you could not save yourself. And you recognize the only hope that you had in this world was Jesus Christ. I was a nine-year-old boy when I put my faith in Jesus. I haven't been perfect since nine Probably haven't been perfect since nine o'clock last night. But it's not a matter of never sinning again. It's a matter of leaving my sins at the foot of the cross where I recognize the payment that Jesus has made for my sin. And my sin is now covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're willing tonight to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm not talking about being willing to never sin again because we will sin again, but now we are forgiven sons and daughters of God, not rebellious enemies of God any longer. If you're willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus tonight as your Savior, you can be saved. Heaven can be your home, and every single sin you've ever committed or ever will commit can be put to death on that cross tonight I'm going to encourage you if there's never been a time in your life where you've accepted Christ as Savior if you are not 100% sure that heaven's your home I'm going to encourage you tonight on this good Friday to put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior if you'd be willing tonight to say I believe that I am a sinner I believe that I deserve to go to hell for my sin I'm willing to put my faith in Jesus as my Savior tonight and turn from my sin, friend. You can be saved tonight. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, if we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead, that we can be saved. But we have to believe it in our heart and we have to confess it with our mouth. And friend, if you'd be willing to pray a prayer like this, the words are not important. The important part is that you believe it in your heart and you confess it with your mouth. If you pray a prayer like this, God, I believe that I am a sinner. I believe that I deserve to go to hell. But I also believe in your son, Jesus, that he died to pay for my sins. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and save me. Again, if you'd be willing to pray a prayer like that, you can be saved tonight. God, I believe that I'm a sinner. God, I believe that I deserve to go to hell. But God, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, as my Savior. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins tonight and save me. Friend, if you just prayed that prayer, the Bible says that you are saved. The Bible says that you are a child of God. The Bible says that all the wrong you've ever done or ever will be done has now been put on Jesus and he has paid in full. 
Friend, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ tonight, it's the most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life because it extends far beyond this life. It extends into eternity. The Bible says that you can know for sure that your sins are forgiven because of your faith in Jesus. 1 John chapter 5 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have everlasting life, even to them that believe on the name of the Son of God. So if tonight you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, I can tell you with full assurance based on God's word that you are saved, that all of your sin has been placed upon Jesus, and when you die, heaven is your home. Praise God for a good Friday. If you've just prayed that prayer, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, would you do me a favor and allow me to rejoice with you? Send me an email at pastor at huicala.org. And let me know the decision that you made to follow Jesus. Maybe for those of us that are already Christians, a fresh look at the cross and a remembrance of what that means to us is gives us a fresh perspective on what we've been given. No longer do I want to remain in my sin. That's to make a mockery of what Christ died for. No longer do I want to be held down by the things of this world. Jesus died to set me free from the things of this world. No longer will I be okay with my sin because my sin put my Savior to death. Oh, this is a good Friday with a fresh look at the cross. We can't celebrate the resurrection without first contemplating the cross. Hope tonight as we've looked at this passage of scripture, you remember what the cross means to us. It's not a cute piece of jewelry. It's not a decoration for our house. It's not a sweet tattoo that we get to incorporate with all the other stuff that we got going on. It's a picture that our sin was placed upon the sinless savior and was put to death once and for all. If you come to Hui Kala, you won't find any crosses around the building anywhere because the focus isn't the cross. The focus is the person of the cross. But it's a good reminder to come back to remembering what my sin cost. It cost God everything. It cost Jesus everything so that I could be forgiven. And on Sunday, as we look at the empty tomb, let's look at the empty tomb with a greater appreciation for what we've been given and for all that the resurrection means to us as Christians. Let's look at that with a fresh look this week. Hope you'll spend time tonight before you go to bed just thanking Jesus for the cross, thanking him for everything that that means to us. I love the song, Worthy is the Lamb. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. Wash me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know is your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the lamb seated on the throne. Crown you now, not with a crown of thorns, but with many crowns because you're no longer dead. You're no longer on that cross. You're no longer in that grave. You now reign victorious, high and lifted up. Jesus, Son of God, the Savior from heaven who is crucified, worthy is the Lamb. What an amazing thought tonight as we think about the crucified, risen Lord.
Let's contemplate tonight and celebrate on Sunday. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for a look at the cross tonight. Pray that you'd help us to live with the cross in mind, not just tonight, not just tomorrow, not just this resurrection weekend, but every day. God, forgive us when the cross just becomes a cute piece of jewelry or a decoration for the house. Help us to remember that the cross is a picture of your love for us. It's a picture of the price that you were willing to pay for the salvation of our souls. Help us to live this week a death, a life that was worth the death of your son. Father, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.